Have you ever thought about starting your own business, but you felt, hmm, maybe I'm too young for this, or maybe I'm too old for this? Today, we have a very young entrepreneur here on Cleverism. Hi, Chris. Who are you and what do you do? I am, uh, I mean, I guess you could say an entrepreneur. I am the founder of previously Absitude, which I sold, and now I'm the CEO and co-founder of Kaza Construction Technologies. So tell me about your entrepreneurial journey. So the company that you started before, what was it actually doing? And the second question would be, how did you grow this company that fast? So it was an app and web development company. And later we moved on to doing marketing as well. So essentially if someone had an app idea, our team would build it for them. And then later on, we ended up helping building it. We also helped market it. So in terms of how we grew it, initially what happened was, I went on uh, Craigslist at the end of or mid end of December 2014, and I looked at people posting ads, saying that they had app ideas, and then I also posted an ad offering app development services. And I did it more as a test, just to see if anyone would actually be interested in you know doing it, like you know wanting to pay for the service. So then, within I would say around 10 days of messaging the first person, I was able to close my first development contract for 16,500 US dollars. Wow, cool stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so I got my first contract and what I did was I had originally spoken with the developer and designer before to have the project to do it. And I managed the project essentially. So over that few month period, we ended up building the app out and then we kept, I mean, we got more contracts as well during that time. But Throughout that, every time we got a new deal, we would just, you know, I would hire another developer or two, depending on how big the app was. Some projects were a lot bigger than others. And then over time, we just kind of, you know, kept expanding. And then we had over 60 employees when we were acquired. Cool stuff. Chris, did you uh, get paid only in cash from your customers or did you uh, negotiate some kind of deal where you have some cash and equity component? Um, later on, we began doing an equity component. Initially, I didn't, I didn't really thought about it, but then after some of the projects we did, ended up doing really well. I was like, oh, maybe we should <laughs> have equity as well. So we started uh, Aptitude Accelerator, which actually like, would partner with people that had app ideas, and then they would get to work with our team directly mm -hmm. in exchange for like a lower, you know, they, they wouldn't have to pay as much, or sometimes I would cover the entire development costs to work on the project with them. And why do you think um, those customers decided to purchase this web design, web app development service from you instead of all the millions of other companies who are basically providing a service in the same segment? One of the things that I think happened, I mean, to put it in perspective with the first client that I got, and I noticed this a lot, a lot of them were very, you know, uh, surprised that I was 17, I was 17 when I had started it. And a lot of them were surprised to see that a 17-year-old was like, you know, running a company. And essentially what happened was, to put it in perspective, is initially we worked on those first few projects, which did well. And then um, in terms of like, you know, getting downloads and everything, so some of them did, not all, definitely not all. And then we, because we built up the, you know, we established a portfolio and everything, people began going, oh, like you guys, did this project, which did really well, well, can you help us with this? And then that's when we actually moved into more like marketing. Mm -hmm. But I think in terms of why specifically us, I think that when it comes to app development, it's one very big with personal connections. So what I mean is if you're the first person that they know that thinks, oh, this is the guy that does apps, they'll often go to you. I felt that a lot with this type of business. And then also I felt that 
I actually think that my age was a big advantage. Cool. Yeah. Because this is not what I would have expected. What does the, the typical customer look like? So is it more like a 20-year-old as well, or is it more like a 30-, 40-50-year-old person? <laughs> It's actually completely varied. I mean, we've had people that, you know, worked with like a, a high school student before, and uh, his dad was a lawyer that, you know, paid for it. And then we've worked with, I think the oldest person we work with is like 80 or 82 or wow. something like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What type of app did you develop for those guys? Especially the 80-year-old guy. Well, one of them was a, uh, it was like a kind of like a running fitness app for like old people. Oh. And it was like a group of lawyers from Michigan. And they just, they gave us a huge budget for it. Like they offered the budget and, you know, they, we built it and everything. And they didn't even actually have it like published publicly. Like they just used it privately with their friends, mm -hmm. which made me realize that I think that like, I began to realize like, I think that apps are also kind of a, a status symbol for people just to say that they have their own app. And I think that was the reason why they did it. <laughs> So if I'm thinking about why somebody would have bought with you, is it more that uh, your app would have been more effective, more beautiful, or that you have been cheaper? Um, I wouldn't say cheaper. In the beginning, I, I tried to see if I could compete in that way, and I realized that that's not really a great way to usually have a very like long, long business. I think that my, my goal was more the quality efficiency route and like being able to help give mm -hmm. proper guidance. Not initially. In the beginning, it really was just building apps. And the idea of like doing more, like like I said, the marketing advice and doing an actual accelerator came like you know mid or earlier to mid of this year, 2016. In terms of the selling points, I think that the selling point often was just kind of that people when they talk to me and they kind of see what we've done in such a short period of time, they assume because the thing is, if you're building an app for someone, it's building a business essentially. A lot of cases for us, at least when we did it. And they would go, okay, well, if you know, if you can already build a successful business and you're, you know, 17 or 18 or 19, then, uh, then you probably can help give me good advice with my app yeah. or, you know, that kind of thing. So if I summarize, then it's basically you have identified an untapped demand, which was basically on a Craigslist. So almost nobody, I assume, or as I understood is, was going after this type of demand. You did. Second thing is uh, you try to help them develop an effective app, which will uh, fulfill their objectives. And then based on that, you had some kind of track record and scaled it from there. Uh, yes. And also initially, the, I, the thing about Craigslist was it actually wasn't uh, necessarily untapped. There actually was a lot of people posting. I would actually post test ads just to see how many people would message me if I said I had an app idea. And I would get like 50 emails over like a three-day period. But the thing that I realized is a lot of them were really just bad emails. Like it would be like, I can build your app, all lowercase letters, and, and that's it. You know, or like just really crappy emails. And uh, I remember that the first client I had gotten, he said to me, you're the first person that actually sent me a like coherent email. <laughs> so <laughs> I was actually kind of surprised. I realized like, at least with Craigslist at the time, The barrier to entry was so low of like what people were sending out that even if you just wrote a normal email, you could stand out. Cool stuff. So great. Um, Chris, now you have sold your business. Why did you sell it? So I had a side project called Casa, which I think I said earlier, that was kind of really growing on me in terms of wanting to do it. So when I had the chance, like when I had an offer to 
I, I decided to do it. I was planning to do it, to stay with it a lot longer, but I realized that I really wanted to do Casa like 100% now. So it just made sense. Great. What is Casa? So Casa is a construction technologies company that focuses on construction automation. So essentially we're making construction faster, more cost-effective and more environmentally friendly. And what is so unique about this kind of business? That is, is some kind of technology game where you have some kind of IP so nobody else can compete with you in this kind of segment for cost-effectiveness, speed, etc. Or what is your unique or secret source? We're 3D printing houses. So Yeah, but others could do this as well. So the question then is... Uh, If you are trying to uh, automate the construction work by uh, 3D printing houses, what keeps others uh, from doing the same what you do? So basically acquiring the same customers and delivering on this um, construction automation. By always having the best technology. And how do you make sure of that? Are you having some kind of IP or do you have some kind of exclusive uh, technology partnerships? Yes to both. I mean, from, a, from an IP perspective, yes. Um, and then also from partnering with the right people as well. And how did you get about this this kind of business idea? So at what point in time did your entrepreneur bite you again and say, mm, Chris, I need to do this kind of business? I'll give an example. My original goal with Aptitude was to be able to have a company that like, I could then have money to self-fund you know, a bigger dream project of mine. And I think that, you know, I don't know how young I got it, but I always envisioned myself being like a, a creator or, you know, a builder to some regard. Mm -hmm. So what happened was when I began realizing we could do a lot of things with this technology, I, you know, I began seeing us like building cities and uh, doing a lot of cool things. And I, um, and just like building the future, you know, whether not just like how, you know, building a house or something, but literally building entire cities and communities and everything in between. And that became more my vision and dream kind of passion project, I guess you could say, that ended up becoming what it is now today. Chris, what is the current status in terms of projects that you could deliver on? So could you rebuild the Trump Tower, for example? Technically, right now, you can actually build buildings with their technology, but it's not as cost effective yet for buildings. So it can save up to 90% of labor costs for houses up to three stories. But when you start building buildings, we're not releasing the technology until next year for actual buildings. Okay. So now the question is, I understand that it saves up 90% of the labor costs. But from my perspective, I would be rather interested in what are the initial installment costs of, of creating this building? And then what are the total lifetime costs, so to speak? And how does it compare to alternative solutions? So, I, I, you know, I, um, I don't know a lot of details on the Trump Tower because I, I, you know, I've heard of it, but I don't know how tall it is or anything. Um, I mean, from a comparative cost perspective, the reason they give percentages is because it varies completely on a case-by-case -case basis because buildings can be built in many different ways. So you're saying, could I give a cost example of how much cheaper it is? Or, sorry, I just want to make sure I understand. Sure. So what you are telling me is that you are saving X percentage, which is quite high, like 90% or so of the labor costs. Mm -hmm. But labor cost is only one component of the, the total costs, for example, for, for, for initial installment or total cost of ownership. Because if I would be thinking about yeah, whether there are several alternatives, how I could construct my building. 
first I could go to a let's call them traditional construction company. They have they hire some people, put some stones uh, above each other, and then there it is. There's a house, and then it will uh, continue to live for thirty years or so with some kind of operation uh, costs, uh, etc. And then I can calculate how much are the lifetime costs for this type of building over those 30 years. Now, alternative two, which is basically Casa. How much would it cost to, for a similar building, yeah? I'm just uh, getting some kind of ballpark, uh, to build uh, the initial building and then how long would it maybe live would it be a living longer, shorter? Because then I would put, compare the total cost of ownership for uh, a building with traditional means of construction and then with the mean of 3D printing. Yeah, so put it into perspective, we're, we're 3D printing currently with concrete. And the concrete mixes that we have are able to cost far less to produce than typical concrete, but it still is durable. So it's still hurricane proof and everything that you would expect of typical concrete to be. Besides saving on the material cost as well, because of the concrete mix and the way that it works with the technology. I mean, it would be a typical building for the most part. If you're talking about houses, I'd prefer to focus on houses right now because, you know, we're not releasing technology for that for buildings yet until next year. Um, but specifically for houses, it's the typical durability of what a normal concrete house would be. Great stuff. Are you currently already in the process of talking to potential customers and partners? Or are you only focusing currently on making the technology work? Um, so we're launching the tech. We're going to begin actually selling the technology in December of 2016, you know, this year. And mostly we've been talking in terms of forming partnerships with real estate development companies and construction companies that want to acquire the technology. Some of the things that happened was, yeah, I mean, we're, we're mostly just forming these partnerships right now across the world. And why are you trying to sell the technology where you could also try to target the end customers um, directly? So why did you decide for being a technology provider and targeting the middleman and selling technology versus selling houses? That's just the market that we want to focus on because we think it's a simpler business model. I mean, could that change maybe? But um, right now, we think it's just easier to focus on it. Good stuff. So where do you think Casa uh, will be heading towards uh, maybe in the next four to five years? So what is your vision? I mean, our vision definitely is to spread this technology across the globe, just do some cool things with it. I mean, really, it's even though it's a business that I know will do very well financially, it's more, for me at least, it's more about the impact that it has on the world because from an environmentally friendly standpoint, for example, construction today causes a lot of air pollution, water pollution, and there's a lot of leftover construction waste. And this method of construction that we've developed, it eliminates most of that because there's not tons of dust in there and everything. It's just pouring out the concrete and the different materials that are required to build the house. So I'm looking forward to seeing one, the, you know, the environmental impact that it has in terms of helping the world. And then also seeing the structures and buildings and everything that people do with the technology. And are you also foreseeing using different materials? So instead of concrete using, for, for example, some kind of other regenerative uh, materials like, I don't know, wood, uh, hemp, maybe even some other kind of more garbage products like plastic or something like this? Because I've seen several videos on YouTube, for example, where they take, let's say, the garbage of plastic, then uh, presses, and then uh, you and they re yes, right. use it for houses. So do you foresee yourself doing something like this? Because if you have the technology uh, for the 3D printing, would it be also usable for 
changing the material input, for example. Yes, we will be doing that. We already are researching new materials and our concrete mix is already like kind of a new material, the way that it works. But yes, we've been looking at different materials and we have some that we're going to be announcing. I don't know when, how soon yet, but it's more about passing it from a, you know, political perspective of, you know, I don't think in the U.S. people would, you know, I'm sure there's exceptions, but a lot of people would don't like the idea of living in a house made of plastic or, um, you know, recycled materials. So it would be very kind of more niche specific, at least in the beginning. But the main thing that we care about with the new materials is that the houses are safe to live in. Um, in regards to, like, if we're not using concrete, if we're doing something with plastic, you know, we need to make sure that it's safe for people to live in. Not not necessarily just from a durability standpoint, but, you know, we want to make sure that it's, if it's recycled materials, that they're safe materials to actually live in. So. so, Chris, if I'm looking at your prior company, it seems to me that the major customer acquisition channel was Craigslist. What do you per uh, see uh, as the major customer acquisition channel for Casa? Uh, just to clarify, I don't think it was just Craigslist. It was Craigslist in the beginning, you know, in the first year, mm -hmm. um, which is what got us started and helped a lot throughout the way. But later on, it just became from more networking and like kind of traveling and then meeting people yeah. who would reach out to us because they knew that, you know, we were building apps. Then we had clients from around the world um, from, you know, just from news articles that happened about us and things like that. People would reach out. Um, so it wasn't just Craigslist. But for our, our new channel for Casa. But mostly it's just uh, going through our personal network and, and um, reaching out to the people that we know. Because the thing is, through Aptitude, I made friends with a lot of people from all over the world and some in very high places. So it's allowed us to just kind of show them the technology now. And it's just a matter of them doing a few things here and there, and then we have it out there. So Good stuff, Chris. Thank you so much for your time and for sharing your insights. And uh, I wish you all the best for the next 18, 19 years. <laughs> Thank you, Martin. You too. <laughs> Thanks.